Hello, and welcome back to 19 Hits the Dragon, the interview discussion podcast of all things tabletop RPG and nerd culture. I am your host, Mike Daniel, and uh, today I'm being joined by some very special guests, the creators of the Real Thing tabletop role-playing game. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, uh, great great to uh, to have you on. Thanks for coming out. H- how are you all doing tonight? Pretty good. Doing fine. It's a, it's a wonderful day in, in beautiful Indianapolis. We've got some sun today, so, you know. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of sun in Chicago today as well, so. Nice. Uh, praise the sun. I like that uh, you put the caveat on there, the real thing, tabletop RPG, because we did not <laughs> the real thing. We are not nearly that talented. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you guys are, are, are pretty kick-ass, I think. But uh, yeah, did want to distinguish Thanks. that not the uh, band behind the uh, smash hit album, The Real Thing, Faith No More, uh, but something very similar. Um, yeah, so I'd actually like you all to you know take a minute to tell my listeners and, and myself a little bit about yourselves here, um, who you are, who you are kind of in relation to uh, this project and this game, and a little bit about what the game's about as well, maybe, and we can kind of take things from there. Right on. Well, uh, I'm Piercy. I'm a writer and developer of the game, one of the, not the only. Uh, I'm also a musician. I do film. I run games for a living, kind of a Jack of all trades, master of none sort of guy. Yeah, real renaissance man, it sounds like. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, Jason Ward, and we call me Ward because Piercy and I are both Jasons, so that gets real confusing. Uh, and we've been friends for about 30 years, so we've been doing this for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am also co-creator, co-writer um, for this for this project. And in my, my non-gaming life, I'm a husband, father of three. I run a small tech company. Um, yeah, that, that pretty much covers me. Uh, hey, and then uh, I'm James Masingo. I'm the art director and the illustrator. Uh, I have been uh, an artist in the tabletop gaming industry for a long time, now, over 17 years. Uh, I used to be the art director of Shadowrun. I've worked on 7C. I've worked on uh, Year 77. I've worked on a bunch of board games. Uh, and yeah, and I'm super stoked that uh, these two cats brought me in to make their game look awesome. And that he did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thanks, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've I've seen exactly some of the uh, the the early art. I haven't seen some of the newest stuff. Uh, Ward was just telling me a little bit about it before we got uh, got started. But yeah, uh, all that that you've done that I've seen looks amazing, and obviously, uh, uh, quite the stack of games that you've uh, you've worked on and, and done design for and, and artwork for. So, uh, thanks for for coming on the show, uh, James and and Jason and, and Jason. Um, and I actually, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, as our listeners will probably know, cause I've been tweeting about this as well a little bit, I got the chance to actually play the real thing, uh, with, uh, Piercy running the game for, for us over on tabletop journeys podcast. And, um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun, really, really enjoyed, uh, the system that you guys have built here and, and the, uh, the story that we all got to tell together. It was a blast. Thanks. Glad you enjoyed it. Glad you had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for for my listeners that may not be as uh, well versed on Faith No More and, and the real thing, can you all tell us a little bit about what the uh, what the game's about? 
I think you're pointing at me. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> sure. I'll take the first stab at it and you guys can, can jump in where I, where I miss things or misstep. Uh, so yeah, the real thing, um, the new story I'm going to tell is that it was an excuse for us to work with James Masingo. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. He's the only one that actually knows what he's doing around here. So uh, no, <laughs> the, the real story is I was doing dishes listening to the Real Thing album uh, geez, uh, about a year and a half ago at this point. And on a lark, and I had—I must say—I had just gotten done watching the movie Sucker Punch, which to me is like a one, like the be, one of the best one-shot tabletop RPG movies ever mm, made. If okay. you were gonna, if you're gonna play a one-shot, it, it should be as fun as Sucker Punch looked on screen. Anyway, um, so I drop—I drop Jason a line, uh, drop my dish gloves, and give him a call, and I'm like, I got a really bad idea that I want you to talk me out of. Uh, <laughs> I think we can make a make a role playing game based on the Faith No More album, the real thing. And he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." That is not the response I was hoping for. (laughs) Yeah, Um, some of the best stories out there start with that sentence of, "Hey, I need you to talk me out of this bad idea." Absolutely. (laughs) That's how we ended up with three kids. Uh, yeah, so that's the that's the short of it. Uh, Jason and I are both real big Faith No More fans. James, I think uh, you're a fan as well. Um, yeah, maybe not as worked out on it as we are. Um, and yeah, we. Uh, I don't know what else you want to know. That's the that's the quick version. Jason, what do you got? Well, um, you know, the fun part was when we started to develop it, and um, we had we had a completely different idea to begin with. And we just scrapped it because it, it wasn't working. It wasn't, you know, we didn't know enough about what we were talking about as writers. You know, you want to research things and, and you mm-hmm. want to kind of have a, an experience, right, uh, of what you're writing. And we got into it and realized that oh, this isn't really probably a great direction because we don't, we're kind of lost, you know. So we went with something we knew, um, which at least some of us knew, right, mm-hmm. which was like the 90s party scene a little bit. Okay. And then we took yeah. it on its edge. Right, because we're mm-hmm. we're big fans of the White Wolf uh, like genres and sort of like dark darker games as well and darker stories. Mm-hmm. So we thought that the Faith the More that the the real thing had had a very dark story to it in there, and it could match well from the time when you know the games we were coming up with were going on, mm-hmm. and we decided to kind of do this this throwback thing. Let's tell it in that in that time period. You know, people playing didn't have cell phones, didn't have smartphones all the time to walk around. You maybe had a beeper, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you as, were as far cool. as technology. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And it, we really wanted to work on the themes that were challenging at the time, mm-hmm. at least challenging from our perspective, right? And that's, you know, that's kind of where we settled is on this scenario. Yeah, we're being a little vague about it intentionally. I mean, we'll get into some of the That's details of the conversation, I'm sure. But Totally fair. And we yeah. don't want to spoil anything for my listeners who might go over to the Tabletop uh, Journeys actual play that we did and, and get a feel for the story as, as well, which uh, there will certainly be links in the show notes for all of that as well. So listeners, right if y'all are interested in hearing how the story plays out, you can check the uh, the notes below and uh, yeah, go, uh, go check it out on, on Tabletop Journeys for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I I have a lot of really great things to say about the, uh, the game that y'all, y'all made specifically the, um, you know, the, the playbook that I went with and I say playbook, um, y'all, our listeners might know that might not, that's a term for kind of the, uh, the class, uh, that 
you choose in the Powered by the Apocalypse system, which is mm -hmm. the system that y'all used for the real thing um, RPG. Um, the uh, But the, the playbook that I chose was uh, The Stranger, which had just like a, a lot of really great... Um, and, and all of the playbooks had like a, a very distinct vibe about them that uh, made each one really feel unique as I was reading through them and trying to figure out or trying to decide which one I was going to pick, you know, where, where to, to take my character. And uh, yeah, really, really jumped off of the page to me, but a lot of them were quite excellent, um, which is kind of uh, what we are here to talk about is the sort of the design process behind uh, character creation or class playbook creation uh, specifically, you know, I think you guys did a really great job of focusing on the narrative of the characters and incorporating that into the uh, progression uh, for these characters, you know, choosing new special abilities and things like that to really suit the, uh, what's the, the word, I guess the story <laughs> that the character is in, in and of themselves, right? So mm -hmm. it was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I guess if we're, you know, my, my question to y'all to kind of dive into things here is where, where did you begin with like figuring out, you know, who these playbook characters were? What was kind of the first step for y'all? Yeah, I'll kind of lead with system here a little bit because I, okay. we, we didn't start by thinking this was going to be a powered by the apocalypse game. Okay. Um, I, I think I was of Jason and I, when we were originally concepting this, I was the only one who'd actually played any Powered by the Apocalypse at the time. And oh, um, interesting. I introduced Jason to it, playing some Dungeon World, and he was like, yeah, this is a great system. Let's give it a shot. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, we're we're, we created what we imagined to be a the first part of a time-boxed story, right? It's a, mm. it's a system. There's a little bit of a sandbox there, but it also isn't meant to run for six years. It is not one of those things where you want to be able right. to scale infinitely. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think powered by the apocalypse, you progress quickly, you progress steadily, and there is a finite distance that this character is going to go in terms of its progression. And, mm -hmm. and I think that all fits really well with the stories that uh, are in the real thing and hopefully the follow-ups that we're going to be producing over the next couple of years. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and so Powered by the Apocalypse, we, we took the out-of-the-box system and said, look, most of what's here is exactly what we want. And then we just, mm -hmm. you know, hacked it a little bit as, as people tend to do with Powered by the Apocalypse. And yeah. folks, folks who are familiar with either... Uh, uh, urban shadows or masks or dungeon world or any of those systems will find a lot of powered by the apocalypse similarity in what we're doing. So it is, it, it's not groundbreaking in that way. And I think that's a benefit, <laughs> not a detractor, right? For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we're going to dive into this a little bit more later, but the, the one thing we did add that I feel like, and I think Jason feels like, and James as well, is the real differentiator here is the the way that people progress in the system, and that is through discovery. And mm, so mm -hmm. you are yep. learning things about yourself and about the world in a narrative sense. You know, you're, mm -hmm. something happens. Usually, you roll a, a fail on a on a check, and mm -hmm. or on one of your moves, and the narrator then says, "Cool. So tell me about a time that's similar to this in in X Y Z way," and that becomes part of your character's story. And mm -hmm. thusly, you progress because you've learned something about yourself and about the world. And like, yeah. and and with that, you can craft, you can craft away the party, right? Mm -hmm. 
knows each other or are knows maybe the wrong word have relations with each other or have whether that's good or bad um have right. relationships with um maybe some of the npcs or other things that come up you're really letting the player craft what that story is through rem- through discoveries that's what i'll say <laughs> and where yes again where trying to be a little with... spoiler free but yeah yeah sorry, yeah exactly like i don't want to <laughs> Um, yeah. And kind of where we come up with the, with the archetypes, we're still also a lot of what we did is really based off of Faith in the Lord's music, and mm-hmm. you know you can tell that when you look at the the different playbooks as you're calling them, um, when they have the different moves they have are all Faith in the Lord songs, and mm-hmm. even the the characters themselves, those those archetypes the players get to choose what they want to play, um, those are based in in faith in in the story and as well as like in Faith in the Lord's music, they're over their entire discography. In ways, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think we also drew some influence for those um, playbooks from one of my favorite things from old school White Wolf, which is the nature and demeanor um, oh, attributes yeah. that you had for characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of them are named directly after archetypes that people who played in those '90s games will be familiar with. You know, like the architect, or uh, I think another one was the caregiver. That was we changed the names of some of them, but the caregiver was a concept that people could play okay. and. I just really liked that. It gave you a little bit of a, a sense of what a character, what a character's motivations and and styles are. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, I think, uh, just, sorry, just kind of circling back on something that uh, the Piercy said there about the uh, the discovery mechanic. I, I I felt like that was a a really excellent way to um, kind of offload some of the storytelling of from the like the narrator, the storyteller themselves and put that onto the party, onto the players, and letting those relationships, as you said, develop through these discoveries. Um, something that was a, a lot of fun to do in the midst of, of our play was to, you know, I remember a story that someone else was telling from their discovery, and then I get to add on to, I have a discovery now, and oh, it actually loops back into this other moment that the other guy had talked about previously telling us about, you know, what had happened in, in, in their discovery and their memory or whatever. So, um, yeah, I I think as far as, um, like collaborative storytelling, you just really hit the nail on the head with, with that mechanic. Thanks. Yeah. We definitely like to like empower players through the narrative, even if it's a dark themed game, we want the players to be able to like weave their own narrative through that dark story. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really a fantastic way of, of uh, allowing the players to uh, to do just that. So kudos to you guys. Um, <laughs> Glad you dig it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so and, and kind of uh, along the same lines of that, the you know progression um, from a, a mechanic standpoint within Powered by the Apocalypse, you know, if you are advancing your character, regardless of whether it's experience points or discoveries or whatever, you are getting to choose what those attributes are or what that next ability that you unlock. It's not like, say like, like D and D where, Oh, you chose to play, you know, the wizard. So this next level, you get X many of more spells and now Mm -hmm. you can cast spells an an additional time, stuff like that. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's progression is pretty locked in for the most part in D and D. And it's very much the opposite of that with what you guys have uh, have created here, which is really awesome. Yeah, thanks. thank you. 
um, we, we were really going for less of a power scale and more of mm-hmm. a choose your own adventure. So you don't really, you don't necessarily yeah. become more powerful, at least not significantly. So you become more mm-hmm. adaptable and you really, you be, you become able to affect the world in different ways uh, rather than just saying I, I hit harder or I move faster or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's a really uh, interesting way to think about it from just like character progression, but not leveling up your character, right? Like you are getting better or able to, as, as like you said, Ward, like interact with the world in new or different ways than you had previously. But it's not these like small mechanical advancements of getting a little bit better and better over time. It's just one new ability unlocks and it changes your dynamics. Um, and and you get the choice to choose which ability that is and how you're going to affect the world around you, right? Yep, absolutely. And, and that was that was really a relatively... When we first started down that path, um, I didn't I didn't get it. I'll say that. I didn't get it, right? Because I'm used to mm-hmm. D&D and I'm used to that type of stuff. But I also yeah. don't run Dungeons and Dragons like a typical... Here is your module. You walk into the room. You see this. You do whatever. It's <laughs> right. very much like I've been running it as a story the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like when when I when it finally clicked with me, it was like, oh, it's it's like a better way to express what I've always liked. <laughs> what I've been trying to get other people to do, and I'm like, hey, yeah. how does this how this happens? What do you do? You know, always asking mm-hmm. the players what they do, what their input is. How how do they add to the story? And you know, it it, it was. Uh, I mean, Ward approached me the idea and was like, I think this is neat, but I need to sit with it. And yeah, he was totally right. Mm-hmm. It's 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 good. That's not my fault. It's Vincent Baker's <laughs> fault. <laughs> oh, well. There yeah, so I suppose power. I really should be praising uh, yeah. them for creating the Power by the Apocalypse system. But <laughs> um, but the way that you guys have, have adapted it for your own game is, is unique as well. I mean, you could have very easily come in and said, okay, well, we're going to throw all of these things out and here's what we're going to do instead or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. But you guys have crafted this game in such a way that it, it, I think that Powered by the Apocalypse was really the perfect choice for telling a, you know, using those mechanics to find a, a create a game centered around telling a collaborative story mm-hmm. um, and, you know, letting player choice affect things in, in many ways beyond just, you know, the narration of what my character is doing on a moment to moment, but, now I'm, I have unlocked a the ability to have a new special ability or whatever, and I get to choose how that's going to affect the story for moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trust me, it was an uphill battle not to just say we're going to make a hack of the uh, old school World of Darkness D10 system because it's real <laughs> gratifying to yeah. throw a pile of D10s. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think the um, the the bell curve that you get with two D six is just really nice. There's just a really, really solid like sweet spot where it levels out a lot and creates a lot of really interesting dynamics, right? So you get a lot of like mixed successes throughout uh, the stories that you tell with them. Uh, obviously, there are still going to be good roles and bad roles, and that's how you get progression and uh, and discoveries. But uh, it, it it makes a really nice. Um, it averages out really nice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I remember when running with you guys, there were we as we kept you know going going through the whole thing. Many of you were like, 
I'm I'm succeeding. I don't I don't want to succeed though. I want to do another discovery. <laughs> yeah, I want a discovery. I want to fail. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, that definitely uh, was like a, uh, a dilemma that I ran into myself is like, I, I want to fail so that I can get new discoveries. Although it was, really, I guess, one one um, special ability to talk about that is pretty cool is with the uh, the Matador that I had from uh, the Stranger playbook. Um, if I use that ability and succeeded, then I got a discovery as well. Right. So I was always like looking for instances to try and, and use that ability. So, um, yeah. And, and speak, I guess kind of speaking from my own personal experience as well, we're talking about like making that choice as a player on what your advancement's going to be. You know, the, the scenario that is set up, we were in this place where, you know, you can't really trust anybody. We're constantly having to get a read on people. Mm-hmm. So I, I took the uh, special ability, the strip search, which leveled up my ability to like get a read on people. Right. So I, I got the, the chance to do that better. That thing that we were having to do a lot. I wanted to do that a lot better. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And yeah. I loved how that played out with your particular group because mm-hmm. the, the playbooks that were chosen were a good mix, but they leaned social more than physical, mm-hmm. which was a completely different situation than if somebody had picked the playbooks of the soldier and the protector and, and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Well, I think someone was the soldier, actually. Yeah, we did have the soldier. I I, I almost picked the protector, um, yeah. not going to yeah. lie, because I had a really good character concept for that. But then the stranger just like jumped out at me a whole lot narratively. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and with all the playbooks, you know, I mean, while they are somewhat guided towards certain towards certain certain moves that they will be better at, mm-hmm. none mm-hmm. of it's dictated, which is great. Um, and and your your particular group, all four of you, tended to lean more toward the social and the cerebral rather than mm-hmm. the physical, and that just made it a completely different story than other ones that I had run, where there were a couple of folks who were just like, "Well, I don't like how that guy's looking at me. I guess we're just going to fight him." <laughs> that was me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, we cool. got told not to pick fights, so we didn't pick any fights. Um, well, people just fair. don't listen to the rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and to be fair, anybody that wants that that I fight, probably it's their fault. <laughs> yeah, fair no, enough. I, we we've we've both ran it uh, quite a few times for quite a few different groups and. At least on my end, I can only say I've never I've never had the same run through, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a, it's a similar scenario. You have the sandbox, the story of the scenario. I say story. It's more of like here's here are the moving parts. Yeah, you right. Know, how how it works out, how it works out, and that is all dependent upon what the characters choose and do in their discoveries and what story they're telling. Mm-hmm. Le- go 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 down that path. Mm-hmm. Follow through with them on that. If they change a direction go change direction like that that will make it more interesting you know mm-hmm. and it's never been the same and it's it's yeah. it's fascinated me every time that i'm like we have so little information here yet there's so <laughs> many different things you can do in it this is so cool we, I yeah think, i think we did something all right yeah for sure yeah, yeah i uh sorry go ahead go ahead i was gonna say one of my favorite things is the fastest one i did was about to- eight eight total hours of play time mm. but i play i had most recent one I ran was probably closer to 20 total hours of playtime because they said yes to everything put in front of them. <laughs> it just <Excellent>. kept going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. 
Um, yeah, I was just gonna to you know feed off of what Percy was uh, or Piercy was saying that uh, you know the the story is gonna change and and how we present it to you is going to kind of dictate how you react to that as well. And I I think there were a lot of moments within the story that I I like sensed that okay, we're kind of going this way and now, oh, hey, how convenient. The story is leading us down this path as well. So it was it was really great to like see all of that sort of, all, all of those pieces like fall into place, basically. It, it, even when we were kind of shifting around in our allegiances, so to speak. Again, I'll be a little bit vague for uh, our, our listeners here. But uh, yeah, we were definitely, uh, well, I, I guess we were, you know, one minute here, one minute there, right? So yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I've been saving that one. I've, I've maybe have a few more uh, references later, but uh, um, yeah. But I, I, I guess um, I shit. I had a question for you that I was going to go into, and now I'm like, where where was that? Um, oh yeah, the, what I was going to mention as well about uh, you know the progression since it's chosen by the players as you're advancing, it has the ability to like not be linear as well, and including the discoveries, right? As we were all receiving these discoveries, they were a story that was told way out of sync with itself, but mm -hmm. did sort of have this cohesion to it, um, which was also uh, pretty, pretty neat there. Um, yeah, so I, I want to I want to kind of circle back to some some questions for you guys and kind of tell me a little bit about your your thought processes or maybe some of the conversations that went into the choices that were made as y'all were were putting these things together. Um, you know, particularly interested in in the playbooks themselves, but we can we can kind of chat around the uh, the, the story and the scenario itself as well. Sounds good. Go ahead. <laughs> is there a specific question or would you like me to just jump in and vamp uh, yeah just kind of jump in and, and we'll we'll cool. kind of pick things apart as we go along yeah so it was a little bit organic how we arrived at the different playbooks for sure mm -hmm. um like i said i took a, i took a little grain or a little nugget from some of the archetypes from old world of darkness which again i'm going to keep saying that it was it's a little bit of the feel we're going for even in art direction and mm -hmm. james can speak a little mm -hmm. more to this um uh, but the playbooks are really meant to be a, a mm, <laughs> I guess, a guide or a set of guide rails around a, a personality type. And mm -hmm. you, you develop and uh, um, progress or regress, as, as the case may be, uh, based on decisions that you make in the game and references to decisions you have made in the past leading up to the game. And so, um, you know, there are certain archetypes that lead, that lead well to that. So there's one called the killer the, the playbook, the killer that is mm. not literally a killer necessarily, but the idea is you've got that killer instinct. You, you are the survivor, you're the, the fittest in any given situation. And what are the, what are the situations that have led you to that life where you believe that everyone is a potential enemy and you are always going to come out on top. Right. And how do you apply that then going forward during the course of the, the I'm going to call it an adventure, during the course of the event or adventure that you're having so mm -hmm. that you advance in the direction that is interesting, but also works with the memories that you have of your character. And, um, you know, we try to do that with every single playbook. We've got the killer, the lover, the protector, the soldier, the stranger, uh, the architect, the artist, and I am missing one. Um, the, it doesn't matter. We'll come to it later. <laughs> But I would love to hear James's um, 
commentary on you know how that how the the impetus of the game or the generation of the game led to the art style. You read my mind. <laughs> uh, sure. So given that it's based off of, you know, Faith No More's album, The Real Thing, which came out in the early 90s, and the way that culture was, especially like counterculture was at that time period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have not only like, you know, metal and thrash and grunge and, you know, some cultures waning in and out and beyond just that cultures, you know, like certain hip hop cultures and um, political cultures and, and whatnot. And so uh, trying to make sure that the characterizations and, and the people in the game feel like they represent that time. Uh, and then additionally, stylistically, looking at the style of stuff at that time. So we burn a lot from like zine culture. And so zines were super hot in the 90s. And so everything has like a zine, Xeroxed, marker, tape feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally beyond that um f- you know we have mentioned world of darkness before because it's a major inspiration and i will continue to do so um you know the artist tim bradstreet uh you know he was uh, influential to art in that time period especially for dark role-playing games which ours is and so uh that was another pillar into defining the art style to make sure that it was representative of you know faith nowhere in the album representative of the culture at that time and then representative of the art at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And so with each of the playbooks, we've integrated the art into those playbooks. So you get a feel for mm-hmm. a potential look or, or I guess, a style that a character of that archetype might have or that playbook might have. Ooh, um, can, I, I th- can I jump in real quick? Every time, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> Sorry, please. buddy. Yeah, this is a good opportunity because this is something that I, I want us to flex on because it's you know you don't see this a lot in gaming culture and we worked really hard to make this conscious is that um the playbook characters there is every playbook has a masculine and a feminine uh artwork for it um so it's not like you know another role role playing it which would be like here's the blank this is what the blank looks like next here's the whatever uh ours every playbook there's a masculine and a feminine um and mm-hmm. uh and there's characters of different um you know different sexuality uh different race different religious backgrounds and there's lots of little you know um details that every characters have uh but that was really important for us uh to especially show that like like because it was like oh all protectors look like this one person next <laughs> like no that's not right. that can't be it so that's why all of our characters the they, they try to look really wildly different um because it represents the the people in the culture at that time all right, Ward, back to you. No, no, that was great. I, I <laughs> um, yeah, and so the art is integrated not only into the book, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. but it's also integrated into the playbook so that it gives you a little a little bit of inspiration, if not direction, in terms of your character's back potential background. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I know even the um the the ones that you know that I saw, I'm not sure if they were the the final versions or or not, but when probably I was uh, probably not, yeah. When I was checking out the um, uh, the artwork or you know reading through the playbooks and just seeing the uh, the pictures that were there gave a uh, a real like like I felt the vibe of the character immediately like jumped out you know from mm-hmm. the uh, the page. So um, I think you captured that really well, even in in what I saw, which again was definitely not the uh, the final version. So oh, well, thanks, man. Yeah. Wait till you see the final art. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm stoked for it for sure. 
yeah, I tell you what, when you when you post this episode, let us know. We'll send you some art that'll be released through this episode. Okay. That, awesome. That? Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> listeners, you'll get a, a nice uh, special glimpse at some of the uh, the art. Uh, seeing that for the first oh, yeah, time, that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I don't remember what your question was. It was something about playbooks mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah, just well, just kind of yeah, we're just kind of kind of spitballing here. I, I asked a very vague uh, topic that we we approached uh, and with no specific question in mind. So. Um, kudos to me for being just a, a, a great interviewer today. <laughs> well done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we, I, I think we were, you know, talking a little bit about some of the design choices behind, um, the individual playbooks, talking a little bit about the, um, the advancements, um, what are they? The special abilities, I think is what they're called when you, yeah, what you have. Uh, advanced okay. moves. Yeah. Okay. Advanced moves. Okay. Um, yeah. So was yeah. there anything, uh, any, how do I want to ask this? What was kind of the decision-making process or, you know, were, were you guys coming up with a lot of ideas and then throwing things out or was it like, you know, you, you had some ideas and just kind of built on them and ran with it or what was the, uh, kind of the discussion like with you guys around those, uh, those topics? So, so really there, I'll be quite frank, there wasn't much of a discussion. Okay. Um, I think I think that we had a pretty solid vision going into it. Really, after mm -hmm. scrapping, oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Uh, after scrapping the first idea, when we came back to it, it was like it it just kind of flowed pretty well. Okay. Um, nice. And you know, uh, Ward took on much more of the. I mean, we we both shared like we both dabbled in both realms, right? He took on a lot more of the mechanics side. Um, he mm -hmm. understood power by the apocalypse. He had a really solid idea there, and it, and it really showed through. It really worked out. Um, you know, we he, when he first pitched it, he was like, "I really think the song titles. You know, we can use them for chapter titles, but like the moves. You know, if we're using power by the apocalypse, the moves should be the song titles." I was like, "That that sounds awesome." He showed me a few um, ideas, and I thought it was killer. And we just kind of went from there. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes things just fall into place, and it, not that it hasn't yeah. been edited since that first glimpse. We've definitely mm -hmm. done a lot of tweaking through gameplay and, mm -hmm. and commentary with folks like yourself. Um, but yeah, we we landed on the playbooks pretty quickly, just based on common architects of people from our our lives, right? Just mm -hmm. real people. We were trying to trying to embrace real people, and you know, I I I can look at people in my life and say, oh yeah, I can apply that archetype or that playbook to my mom or my wife. Or <laughs> yeah. Or oh, whatever. this is my friend from that time. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. This one guy that I met at a party once is like, this exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we've got, ideas for, we've got ideas for more playbooks too um, mm. that can, you know, either come out in future releases or as part of stretch goals or what have you that we're going to, you know, if people there. back the Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. Back the game and we will have more playbooks. <laughs> That's right. We'll just have more stuff. Everyone loves stuff. Stuff. With more killer art. Yep. Take yeah, it from a yes. drummer puff. Being good will get you stuff. But yes, actually, uh, more art, which, you know, art's okay. Uh, but also, like, just more <laughs> it's okay. physical content. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you mm -hmm. know, we were just talking about moves. We want to do a stretch goal where we make tarot cards that have the moves and advanced moves on there. Mm, yeah. um, we want to have more playbooks. We want, you know, we're going to have custom mm -hmm. dice. We're going to have some awesome stuff as long as you guys back the game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking yeah. of backing the game, it's probably important to note in here somewhere that Faith yeah. No More is officially on board with this. I don't think we've said yes. that. Yeah. So um, we have the, the, it's not a, I wouldn't call it a license, but we have the permission to use the material that we've used here. And Faith No More is on board with that. We've been working with the band um, to make sure that we're, we're not going above and beyond what they're comfortable with, but also embracing mm-hmm. their content and their, their context mm-hmm. in, in a way that is appropriate. Um, and that's exciting for us. It was, I mean, it was a dream what? when it happened, honestly, like mm-hmm. we reached out, sorry to interrupt you, Jay. No, you're good. We reached out on a lark, like, well, you know, worst they can say is no. Yeah. And uh, Tim Moss is their manager. He is a great guy. He's been great to, to chat with and work with. And he just asked more about it. And as we got more information, he approached them and they sounded, they were like, they were interested. Well, you know, let's see what you got. Awesome. And it's just kind of developed from there. And it's been really, really cool and really hard to believe, but <laughs> really cool that it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I can definitely understand being a little bit nervous of like, oh, well, we're going to send this out to the people who are providing all of the inspiration for this thing we're making and mm-hmm. kind of using a little bit of their IP. So fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, well, and you don't, you don't want to do them any, you know, disservice when you're, when you're yeah. making something that's like, you know, you got, you have to be respectful of what they have created. They're, they're, I mean, they're people, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be respectful of that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I feel like the feedback we've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, none, no one in the band is particularly a, ga- a gamer in any way whatsoever. Okay. It's, one of those things they want to make sure that the brand is represented in a way that is not uh does not detract from what they've already put out there and and who they want to be and who they are uh, Mm -hmm. as a group and so we've been very um concerned i guess with making sure we do that would be the right word Mm -hmm. and so far the the feedback and the the response has been positive and um we've got the blessing and we're moving forward so it's like jason said it's a dream and it's one of those things you just never think is going to happen but what does it hurt to ask yeah. Yeah. The worst so thing you can say is no, that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like the any of you guys that have an idea, go for it. Yeah. Just, just try it. You don't believe in yourself. Exactly. Right. <laughs> don't be afraid to hear the words. No. Uh, right. Yeah. You're just like, you know, think back in the nineties when you were afraid to ask that girl out 20 years later, you're like, <laughs> why the hell was I afraid to ask that girl out? <laughs> yeah, man. 20 years later, I'm like, why did I ask that girl out? <laughs> you know, there, there are both sides to that. Uh, no right? So. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the other thing to note is we've also got the, uh, the official, uh, uh, again, licensure is the wrong word, but licensure from Powered by the Apocalypse. So mm-hmm. that's exciting too. Excellent. I like it that um, every time that we've said something that is like, hey, these guys like us, something's dinged. <laughs> yeah, so well, that's it's a bummer. Ding, huh? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. There it goes again. I'm gonna kill it. Uh, turning it off right now. Sorry, it's fine. I, I I would say that we will edit it out, but now that we're talking about it, Hannah probably right, will not. So no, I, I, li- I like Jason's thought that it was just uh, uh, verification that what we said was good. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, an <laughs> so affirmation good. for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Um. Cool. Yeah. So I, I'd like to um, kind of turn the conversation a little bit here towards a little bit more of like advice for our listeners. Um, I know, Jason uh, Piercy, you were saying earlier that 
the, uh, the the way that this game sort of evolved as as a game in and of itself is very uh, very much in tune with like how you run D and D as a as a GM yourself, and I, I get mm-hmm. the sense that you know that kind of goes across the board here for you guys. So um, if you could give some some advice to uh, to dungeon masters or game masters that are out there running their game, maybe not going to design a whole new system. But sure. let's say they've got a they've got a D and D game or whatever that they're playing with their their friends and their group, um, and they want to try and implement some more of these ideas into that game themselves. Um, what would be some some advice that you would give to them? I I would say listen to your players, right? Mm-hmm. Why why are you running for them? For they're your friends, probably, hopefully, <laughs> or but pay. maybe not, right? Maybe not, and you maybe they're strangers you don't know, and they've they've come to a story you're at, and you're playing a game. But listen to them, listen to their input. Um, you want them to have fun, so give mm-hmm. them the agency to have fun. Now, you know, I understand like, oh well, I'm gonna jump out the window and shoot all these dudes all the time and do this. Well, okay, right? You know, like not not every idea is a great yeah. idea, mm-hmm. but that's your job as, as a as a storyteller to sort of critique that or or give them give them a scenario where that's possible that's okay it's like mm-hmm. you want mm-hmm. to do this thing let's make up this this thing that you want to do or let's make it possible to do this in some way mm-hmm. and you gotta you have to really pay attention to that shared imaginative space because that's really mm-hmm. what storytelling mm-hmm. is about is it's not just the idea you have in here nope i don't care what you say we're going to just go down this plot road and you guys don't have any choice about it uh that's just bad storytelling in all honesty <laughs> mm-hmm. um let your players make mistakes because those mistakes may not actually be mistakes they can mm-hmm. turn out to be like beautiful instances that that evolve into amazing role playing and change everyone's experience at the table, and that's entirely more important than whatever some book says you need to do when mm-hmm. they walk into room B or anything like that. Like, yep. pay attention to your players. That's that's the biggest thing I can say. Yep. Yeah. Great. Cleave may say you can only hit the thing five feet away from you, but what if that thing's a door? That's cool. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. You know. I mean, yeah. rules suck. Ignore them. <laughs> there you go. That's the I love that. Rules suck. Ignore Rules them. suck. I mean, that applies to life. Just <laughs> yeah. right. true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rules suck. Ignore them. <laughs> right. But at least, at least, you know, if you if you do or don't know all the rules, be mm-hmm. okay with that too. Yeah. Like right. You don't have to know everything. Heck, man, I I'd, I'd get paid to do this right now, which is which is also crazy. A weird, crazy place to be in now. <laughs> that this thing that was a hobby when I was twelve. Someone's now paying me to do it. I'm like, this is really weird. I went from it being, you know, you worship the devil, Bobby, to uh, (laughs) here's some money. I'm like, what? Okay. (laughs) So um, know the rules, but know that they can be broken. And especially Mm. if it just makes it way cooler and more fun, then break them. Yep. I I would say kind of pulling off of what Jason just ended with, um, steal rules from other games too. Like, oh yeah. Oh man, D and D is a is a fine spine for a game. By the way, I have not run a D and D game in fifteen years since probably twenty wow. years actually since college. Um, impressive. And I, I've only played a couple of times since then. I I mostly spend my time playing indie games and um, you know mm-hmm. mid mid middling games. You know, Burning Wheel, uh, powered by the apocalypse, implementations, Fate, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, any any number of other things. I have a, talk I have a about really a great awesome. storytelling system. Fate, oh my gosh, it's just yeah. mm-hmm. 
And I'll tell you, when I played D&D, every time someone is running it, I'm like, I wish we had a fate point system in here where it's like, mm-hmm. this is really important to me. I don't want it to come mm-hmm. down to a die roll. Can I have a, a resource I can spend, right. um, you know, to, to make it happen? And, you know, those are the sort of things you can hack from other games to make your game better. And, um, yep. you know, if, if your players are into it, like Jason said, it's, it's about them more than it is about you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, pull those things from those from those other games, from those other systems, and and make them your own. And hopefully, they they add an element of enjoyment, even if they sometimes um, are are unexpected for your players, or 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 cause difficult or interesting circumstances or scenarios mm-hmm. for them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, people can have fun. Uh, what I've found is people can have fun even if they're not quote unquote winning right mm-hmm. like that, that's not a reason to play a role-playing game it right you're, the reason to play a role-playing game is to tell a story yeah and you're you're winning if you and your friends are sitting around a table playing a game that's winning <laughs> yes. yeah that's <laughs> 2022 yeah, yeah. That, absolutely yeah. <laughs> speaking of getting ready for first in-person session uh zero awesome. yeah for the first time in in like two years so it's a wild time cheers, cheers I, I think yeah cheers, cheers indeed <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty pumped as well. Um, and, yeah, and again, I, 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 I had a point that I was going to make <laughs> coming off of that and I got distracted. Sorry, Piercy, go ahead. No, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there, Ward. Um, steal stuff from other games. That's how you mm-hmm. become better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think, if you think this idea is really cool, figure out how to use it in whatever thing you're doing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, mechanics and theme are not the same thing, right? Right. You choose what mechanics you want to use and you all sit down and go, we want to play Shadowrun this time. Okay. Now we want to play Powered by the Apocalypse. Next time, hey, let's play some some uh, D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Completely different systems. But you can utilize those mechanics to tell whatever story you want when the mechanics are important, right? And and how, you know, if you like something from one, pull it into the other. Mm-hmm. Pull the idea in and figure out how to make it fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the other thing that just Jason reminded me of is there's some newer systems these days that are like, by the way, don't roll dice unless it's real critical. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Something that a lot of older systems fell down on was getting bogged down in dice rolling. Right. Mm-hmm. I just love that it's like, no, you're a thief. Yes, you can open that door because I want you to get on the other side of it anyway. That's right. part of the story. So don't roll. Um, you got in. Good job. Um, right. And, and I think uh, there are there are systems that are better about that nowadays. And I would even say D&D 5, the little of it that I know about, has opened mm-hmm. itself up a little bit to narration trumping rules in some oh, ways. Certainly. There's some things not it, to like about 5. But it's, it can confirm. It does. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, even even older D&D, um, well, I'll say 3.0 to 3.5. To, I'll, I'll include Pathfinder and D&D. If, if if it's based on, <laughs> I know James. If it's based on like a DC or something, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to roll for it. If mm-hmm. like, what's your total? Okay, you, there's no you can do that, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. There's that no way mind. you would fail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if if that's the case, don't make your players roll. Let right. them have fun. Let mm-hmm. them let them experience that. Like, why are you rolling? Yeah, only no. only I, roll if failure or success is particularly interesting. Uh, yeah, yes. you took the words right out of my mouth for it. Yeah. I was just about to say, like, only roll when failure would mean something, right? If yeah. there's no pressure mm-hmm. on on the activity that you're doing, then, yeah, absolutely, you can do that thing that you're trying mm-hmm. to do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, conversely, if 
you are trying to do something that is really cool. You know, the, the rule of cool kind of like <laughs> trumps everything, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. That idea that you came up with player is super badass. So yes, you can do this thing. I'm not even going to make you roll for it. Yeah. Like you, you went, yeah, he, you, you <laughs> outsmarted me more than I could possibly have tried to conceive of. So you just have this thing now. Yes. Yeah. That's what I love. <laughs> like tabletop role-playing games as a medium. Uh Uh, because you have, you know, we want to be really narrative. We want to tell a story together. Great. Let's, let's find that game or make that game or interpret that game. But also there are players who are like, I want to roll my clacky math rocks. Mm. Like I, like I enjoy rolling and you can have that and you can give players those opportunities and you can have both of those things together. And that's what I love. Again, like what I love Mm -hmm. about this medium is that it never isolates. You can always bring people in and adhere and, and kind of morph to what everyone's kind of vibing on and everyone's feeling. So it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you want to roll more? We'll throw in some, we'll, we'll make sure rolling works uh, in the way that your character is really responsive to. It's like, oh, okay, we want to be really narrative. Awesome. Then we can collectively decide when we should or shouldn't actually use our, you know, our math rocks or not. Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's, I, it's great. I, I like players who like to roll dice, and I, I I know those players because they'll always ask me like, "Oh, can I roll this kind of check?" Or yeah, like, yes. <laughs> like, "Yeah, absolutely, you can do that. Please do." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Roll the dice. Tell me what you got. Get get a little dopamine hit for yourself, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll continue the story. On. Yeah. I, I like okay. to empower players that instead of asking for permission to roll, they mm-hmm. just roll. But that yeah. means the second you roll, you are stuck in whatever the consequence is. Oh, yeah. Because the, I, I've definitely run games where someone's rolled and they'll be, what, what, what was that? I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. I was, you know, uh, you know, rolling indicates action. So what's yeah, the yeah, action yeah. you're doing? Right. Um, so, I, so any player listening to this, be more confident and just like, hey, hey GM, I'm going to do this. And like, okay, yep. roll them bones yeah. and then let's see what yeah. happens. Yeah, uh, speaking of, I've never heard dice called math rocks. By the way, I love that. Um, <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, one yeah, of my favorite. Ma- uh, yeah, and uh, clacking math, math rocks, magic math rocks. Yep, yeah, clacks. Speaking of uh, math rocks, uh, by coincidence, the manager for <clears throat> Faith and More is also the tour manager for Mastodon. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> God, about yes, oh, I love them too. <laughs> when you said math rock, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, Mastodon. Mm. Mastodon's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, also, that was, that was an unnecessary aside that brought it back. <laughs> that was great. I didn't realize that you're, was the case. You're welcome, listener. You just got a new wrinkle in your brain. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> Along with all of the other knowledge that we're already imparting to. <laughs> right. To right. Well, man, whoever yeah. listens to this is going to be much smarter by the end. We're doing, we're we're doing them such a favor, there. honestly, <laughs> by <laughs> providing this podcast to them. Um, <laughs> you should start show with your welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I say. I say, you know, welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon means you're welcome to have these, mm-hmm. this knowledge that we're in. The welcome is the you Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not quite that conceited uh, most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, kind of back what we were talking about, I, I, uh-huh. I think what, what we're all saying is that it's, just it's very important to pay attention to who's at your table there's Mm. no wrong way to play and include include that you know and yeah not everyone works with everyone at the same table that's okay too Uh, don't be rude when that happens Mm -hmm. just realize okay maybe we'll find guys who like it more like we do or like i did they're out there trust me we trust me any any kind of gamer you can imagine is out there and and it's been a beautiful community that i've 
mm-hmm. happily been a part of. I've made some of my best friends, um, bandmates. I mean, all kinds of stuff has come from being in this in this community, and it's been a really cool, creative community to be in. Yeah. You met James through LARPing, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah hell yeah. <laughs> right yeah, on. Uh, back in Chicago, we were in a vampire LARP together uh, nice. in the early 2000s. Yeah, early on. And, uh, and uh, we just became buds. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I, Jay, uh, Piercy, were you a Malkavian? And that was a Bruja? No, I was, I, you were a Bruja. And I think when I was playing that, I was a Gangrel Anti Tribute because we were Savat infiltrating yeah. or just started that or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it was a but yeah, we, I don't know. Yeah, our, our characters became best friends and then we became best friends yeah. and then we <laughs> became best friends. It's funny how that happens, right? Like, yeah. wait. like literally met at a LARP. <laughs> <laughs> Just hit it off and it's been it's been great ever since. Yep. Yeah. And Ward and I came up playing D D together as kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we would AD&D. literally That's how long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We'd play, be playing D&D, listening to, I mean, I just have this memory, right? And this kind of like, when you, this is why I said yes when you said the question word, is I remember us playing D&D over, I think it was over at Kyle's house. Okay. And we were listening to Angel Dust because it just came out Yeah. while we were playing. And like that just, everything just clicked. I was like, yes, this is the, the culmination of my life. Yep. Let's do this. Yeah. And by coincidence, the first time that I ran the game for you, Jason, when you were still trying to figure out the how the how the whole system was going to work, if you uh-huh. remember, this was our first play test of the system. Yeah, uh, I remember. It was Kyle and Jimmy and then Chris, all friends of ours yep. from playing D&D back in the day. So yep, totally. Bring it yeah, all it full great. circle, yeah. Yep. That yep. was great. Yeah. It's, it's just... uh, gaming. And so a couple of points here. I mean, mm-hmm. more points for storytellers. Um God, just be inclusive at the table. You just never know what kind of relationship you're going to create out of these out of these mm-hmm. situations. You know, yeah. Um, I know a lot of people that have met significant others uh, around the role playing table or at a LARP. Um, I've met a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been unfortunate enough never. I've literally never dated a gamer, um, which is mm. weird. Those two parts of my life have been separate all the time. Um, but yeah, Jason and, you know, several folks going all the way back to high school and college, I still have very close relationships with. And a lot of mm-hmm. those relationships were based around a role-playing table, but the role-playing table is just a medium for being friends like Nick, Jason or like mm-hmm. uh, James said earlier, right? It's, yeah. you got, you got buds around the table. That's really what it's about. And yeah. so include as many different people as you can, because you're going to create different kind of buds. And yeah, you're also going to sure. get different perspectives from people, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the more inclusive and and uh, open you are, like you're going to get to know, you're just going to get to know people. And it will actually make you a better storyteller mm-hmm. for knowing knowing people and knowing what makes them tick and what they care about, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes you, that will make you a better storyteller. Yeah. I think we make mention in the, in the book right up front that we have our own biases because we're white dudes from the Midwest, right? Um, that wrote this right. game. And um, we're, we're conscious of that, right? And we want to go out of our way to embody this story so that other people, not embody, but to present the story so that other people mm-hmm. can embody it with their own biases and experiences. Um, but 
at the same time, you limit the danger of those biases by by being more inclusive with, in, in who's at the table throughout throughout your life, but also mm-hmm. when playing this game. Awesome. Um, yeah, if, if y'all are uh, comfortable with it, I'd like to see if or if you have a maybe a specific example of something uh a time in which you have used some of these tips that we're we're talking about just to kind of you know have some table talk here about your own games whether that be you know with uh running this game and and testing it or you know playing other other games yourself um at at, you know other points in your life or whatever but i'd love uh i'd love to hear some some stories from from you guys that uh kind of encompass some of these these ideas i have a few for myself as well so Mm -hmm. if you're if everyone's like struggling to come up with something i can i can start off i probably need a moment to think of it if anybody else wants to start off yeah i'll i'll jump in right away i've got one that i remember very well uh we've got a a good friend named adam who loves running 7c um and yeah Oh, you yeah. worked on that. I know. Well, hey. yes, this is the old version, though, probably before you were working. Um, or did you work on the original Maybe. version? Uh, I've worked on many forms of 7C, oh, okay. including uh, RPGs and board games. However, okay. I did not work on the OG one, which is oh. my personal favorite. Yeah, so we're, yeah. we're old enough that we're talking about the OG one. If yeah. I remember correctly, we I was in college, but I may have been just after college. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I think it was just after. Anyway, just so... After. Adam is very much a narrator. He has a sense for how the story is going to start, what's mm. going to happen in every beat, and how it's going to end. So he very much does not do the things we talked about doing. That <laughs> <Okay>. said, <laughs> one thing that he loved to do was just give you drama dice as much as possible. Um, mm. And if you've played 7C, you're familiar with the concept of drama dice, which is, man, that was a really cool idea. Take a die you can use later and do neat things with it. Um, okay. And, in a lot of ways, that's where the, the idea of refresh or fate points, I believe, came from in the face mm-hmm. system, which is there was this limited resource that you get for doing cool shit, and <laughs> you should use it when it's dramatically impactful. And Adam was just so good at weaving the narrative in there that you always had these opportunities to just have an awesome one-liner or a great interaction with a PC or an NPC that would generate drama dice, which gave you agency. Um, that was the way he gave you agency rather than through the randomness of die rolls added on top of stats. It was, I want you to spend this resource to get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. And that's really always stuck with me. I try to, I try to bring that same concept to, to D&D. So uh, I'm going to start running a, a, a game for my daughter who's 12 and some of her friends. And we're going nice. to do D&D 5 because it's just entry level. It's super easy for them to get into. And it's what oh, they hear sure. in school. It's cool. Um, yeah, and but I'm going to bring in uh, the idea of fate points uh, for doing cool things, and you spend a fate point, you get advantage on whatever roll you want, and um, so and that all that all stems from 20 years ago when I was playing Seven C with Adam, and he was <laughs> handing out drama dice for doing cool stuff. The I, I love that you came to that conclusion independently because that does exist in Fifth Edition. Um, it does, but I think the way you want to <laughs> use the way you want to use it, yeah. I think, is a- excellent. Um, but that the, the amazingness of role playing games is like I love yeah. this thing. What if, what if this thing was in another thing? And then like I all I gotta do is massage it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Advantage and disadvantage exist in five E, and I like it. I think it was a really cool addition. Um, oh, I yeah. just want to be I want to be uh, more egalitarian with it than I than I know <laughs> than I know that it's used. I could be wrong. Though. Yeah. So um, speaking of the inspiration mechanic, which uh, Ward, if you're 
still learning fifth edition yeah, inspiration. Yeah. yeah, DMs can basically hand out inspiration or a point of inspiration oh. to the players, which they can then spend to give themselves advantage or be able to re-roll or however you want to look at that, right? Or give um, it to somebody else. Or, yep. or give it to someone else. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so something that, that oh. I've done in my my current uh, home campaign, we, we play in an, an Emberon game. Um, I told oh, yeah. the players to be able to, that they can give inspiration to each other for mm. doing, doing cool shit. Partially that's because I, as a DM, often forget to give out inspiration, <laughs> which is shame on me. Um, but also I wanted to, you know, give the, uh, give the players that sort of power or agency as well, right? To say, hey, I feel like, you know, the, our barbarian was really playing into their character in that scene. So I would like to give them inspiration points for that. And it's not just for like, oh, he, you know, they did some really cool fighting stuff in combat. Like there are other ways in which they can can reward that to each other as well. Right. So um, I just to, to kind of, you know, yeah, spur that idea for you, uh, Jason. Uh, Warren, yeah, thanks so. for bringing that up, James and, and, and Mike. I didn't realize that was mm-hmm. a thing. I saw the spot on my character sheet for the game I just started. Okay. It says inspiration on the D&D Beyond sheet. And I thought yeah. that was Bardic Inspiration. Ah, uh, yeah. You can get so, that too. Yeah. Yeah. There is that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Who else has something? Who else has a Yeah. Topic? Story time still for uh, uh, James or Piercing. Oh, me? Okay. Uh, gosh. Um, one, two, or three? Uh, three? three? All right. Start, so yeah. three. Okay. So we're going to go... Um, so can you rephrase the question one more time to make sure that I'm, I'm answering it properly? Yeah, just, just tell me about a time that you used or saw some of these um, ideas that we're talking about used in a game. You know, you use them as yourself as a GM or someone else, you know, was GMing and you kind of had that interaction and how it was right memorable on. for you. So a long time ago, um, I began the uh, the my own setting. I was like, ah, I've done every setting in D and D. So I started writing mm. my own and I researched a bunch of mythologies and history and whatnot. And like came to a little bit of an anthropological understanding and made this setting. And there was one thing I always thought was not, not present in D and D after playing with it in a few different mm-hmm. things. And that was, well, what they're using as sort of like inspiration now, but I went a little further. I found something in, uh, Star Wars D20, the original Star Wars D20 that was not very good. Okay. Um, Saga Edition became much better, but still. The original one was like not so great, but they had this thing mm-hmm. called um, uh, Destiny Points, right? Because, you know, Destiny is mm. a huge thing there. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, this makes this really makes sense to be used in some way. And there were points you could use to like add dice to a roll or um, automatic, automatically succeed at something, right? And I right. took it another step. I was like, this is a really cool concept, but what if we give it out like you know, every level you get a destiny point, they do cool things, you get destiny points, and then you can spend them on different stuff like buy a feat or let's talk about the story. We're going to mm. face this big bad. I don't really want to roll and fight it. Can we do this instead? Sure. How many destiny points are you guys spending and what's the story of this, right? Mm. And I use it as a way to get the players to start responding instead of just with dice with their own kind of intention in the story and how they want to guide it and how they want to tell it and what happens. And it ended up being with the home game anyway, wildly popular people, people loved it because they got to add more to it. And that wasn't really present in that, in that style of Dungeons and Dragons at the time. And so I just kind of, like I said, co-opted it from one D 20 thing 
massaged it and put it in another and I still use it to this day because the game just wouldn't be without it and it's it's tied to story and all kinds of stuff in ways and mm-hmm. uh, I just don't want to go on about the thing I've been doing but that's that is a, <laughs> a I think a good example of what of cobbling something from one system and putting it in another I know they're both like d20 systems but it's taking that mm-hmm. you know I think it was also after the experience with uh, Adam's drama dice Jay I, Jason I'm gonna agree with you the way that Cornya did that was really cool. And I think we all uh, took that forward a little bit, right? And it best was part about all, for this team. Best part about all that was he's like 16 when he was running that game for our 25-year-olds, you know? Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, James, yes, you're yes. Uh, you're in the hot seat now. So you got a, you got a story for us about uh, some, some narrative... Uh, ideas that you've brought into any of your games yeah uh i'll i'll keep it on brand uh which is the discovery mechanic okay um i i love that ward and piercy created something that even if you fail you still get a level of success Mm. in the game in a form of a narrative and so when i started working with these guys on this game that's something i'd read and i was like fuck i like that and so um (laughs) I was running Kids on Brooms for a, a group, and uh, I want to point out, um, uh, because obviously with COVID and everything, it's been hard to find groups to play with, uh, and so there is literally uh, one couple that my fiance and I have been cool hanging out with in, during COVID times, because they take everything as seriously as we do, and you know, mm-hmm. masks and everything like that. And so when it was time to like, hey, we're all going to play a game together, what do you want to play? And so unanimously it was, they want to play Kids on Brooms, because they're all you know, big nerds. We're all big nerds, obviously, but they wanted right. to play something that was in that vein of like magical high school. And so, um, I had looked at the discovery mechanic and I was like, Oh, I'm absolutely putting this in the game. And so, <laughs> um, whenever we would have a character that would, you know, fail at something or something, you know, I, and, and several of these players are brand new, um, to tabletop games. And so I made sure that their losses never felt so harsh that they would feel deterred from playing. So be like, hey, even though you failed a role, even though this bad thing happened, here's this little glimmer that you get from it uh, that you normally wouldn't have. And so uh, that's why every failure still felt like a little bit of a win. And I think that was really helpful for especially the newer players. Yeah, I love that. The end. <laughs> I love that in pretty much any game at this point where it feels like life, where you're sometimes your biggest mistakes or just mistakes in general are the mm-hmm. best opportunity to learn and, and gain something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I, I've I've long found that the idea as a as a game master of letting players like fail forward um, is is huge, right? Like you don't want a failure to grind the story to a halt you want to find some way that it brings a development into the story to continue that right Uh, especially Mm -hmm. if you are kind of using the advice from earlier of you know if it's only rule if it's important right and if there's going to be a failure there needs to be something that happens around that failure not just i I think we might have even talked about this in like last season with some of some of my guests of like oh you're at a locked door and you're you got the lock pick and you just keep biffing the roll. Well, like something is going to happen because of that, right? It's not just that you fail the roll and oh, I get to try again and, and keep 
picking at this lock, right? Like, oh, maybe there's there's a guard coming around the corner and you can either, you know, you, you failed the roll. So that means that you get spotted. But do you get away or do you like get through the door and they know that you're there? Or do you just decide to give up and, and run because the guard's coming around the corner, right? Like there are layers to that uh the failure and the consequences that can come as a result of of the the failed dice rolls um which i think that yeah absolutely that discovery mechanic um was an awesome way to just bake that into the to the game thank you appreciate Um, that yeah yeah yeah, absolutely thanks um, and yeah, I'll, I'll uh, kind of wrap up the story time, I guess, with a little bit of a, an example of my own and um, talking about my, my spouse, Hannah, who plays in his our editor. So she's going to get a, maybe a little bit of a spoiler for what's coming up uh, okay. for her character. Hi. But um, say hi. hello. <laughs> hello <Hannah>. Yeah, everybody <laughs> say hi, Hannah. Um, but uh, yeah, so she is playing a wizard in, in our Eberron game and she's a kobold wizard. And I, I always go to my players like, you know, in some sort of sort of like private message with them to say like, hey, what are your goals for your character? What do you oh, want to do yes. with this person? Right. Um, you have created a, a character. I'm not just going to tell the, the story that I want to tell. I want to tell the story that you want to tell. Right. So I'm I'm chatting with with Hannah and I'm like, well, what is what does Hafru want? That's her, her wizard character is Hafru the, the kobold. Uh, and she was just like. I don't know. He wants to be a dragon. I'm like, okay, cool. That's not something I, that the wizard gets in their level ups, right? Like, so how do I help you now turn into a dragon and find a way to kind of make that make sense within the story as well, right? So um, it's been a really fun conversation of like, well, we can, you know, we can kind of do this sort of thing with Hafru and give them options to do these kinds of things. And we ultimately landed on a place where, uh, because we're playing in Eberron, her character has a uh, an aberrant dragon mark. So I'm like letting that sort of be the fuel to the fire of like it's going to transform her character into a dragon in some way, right? That's good. Um, and we actually in our the last session that we played, we got to the place where mm-hmm. she gets the or Hafru gets the the uh, awakening for their dragon mark that's going to unlock these drag- draconic abilities. Um, and allowing me as well a, a way to like tie it into the story because here's where the minor spoilers come in for Hannah is that there are going to be quests that her and the rest of the party have to go on that will result in her getting new draconic abilities to like stack on top of these things to ultimately become a dragon, right? In some sense, maybe not like actually becoming a dragon full time all of the time, but have this strength within her character of i have the draconic power now so mm-hmm. it's, cool. it's, yeah it's been a lot of fun to uh to craft uh sort of to myself and like feeding her you know bits and pieces and seeing you know how they react to it and like okay she likes that well all right we'll use that so yeah like you said uh Piercy, you gotta gotta know your players right and talk yeah. talk to them and get give them what they want yep yep why else are you doing it exactly exactly we're we're all just here to have fun and, and tell a good story so um awesome well uh yeah i think you know i i'd like to kind of put this back on on you guys here is there anything else that you feel like really compassionate about or really passionate about talking about in regards to your know, character design anything that we didn't touch on 
or you know, I can also just let you offer a bit of like uh, kind of parting advice, so to speak, of summarizing what we've talked about so far. The real thing, role playing game is great. Back it when it comes to Kickstarter mid March. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting to the promos as well, but yeah, thank you. James. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess my big one. Sorry, Jason, did you want to go? No, dude, go ahead. Okay, my my first one is work with friends. I, I, I like working with people, even, even though, you know, it's, you don't generally want to mix business and pleasure. I mean, that's going to be inherent in designing a game, right? Mm-hmm. You're already mixing business and pleasure and none of us is in this because we're going to try to make a pile of money off of it. I mean, if we do fantastic, but it's unlikely and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're having fun doing it. Even at, even at the point where we have to talk about hard things, it's one of those things where we, we all know we're in it for the right reason. We all respect one another and we we like each other enough that we're all willing to take it on the chin a little bit for someone else. And I think that's really important in just everywhere in life, but also when you're going to be doing a passion project like this. Yeah. And and that's it. Like go shoot, shoot for the stars and you might end up, you know, uh, two blocks up from where, where you were, but you might end up in a better place, right? Like, don't give up on the things you'd like to do, um, especially if you are given any sort of criticism that leads you to believe that you are good at it. Mm-hmm. And that is a major thing. Constantly seek criticism. Don't just think you're good at something. Mm-hmm. Have people tell you how you suck at something so you mm-hmm. can improve. That's a true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I to, to add on to that, you don't you don't want people to tell you suck. You want to know. How? How do I suck? Yeah. Why do I suck specifically? Yeah, why do I Be suck? detailed. Yeah. As, as as someone who works in the visual medium, you know, sometimes I have to be the person that has that conversation or sometimes mm. someone has it with me where, you know, because art, everyone likes to look at art. Everyone has an opinion about art because, again, visual medium. But when you're with someone who they are not achieving what you want them to do or the quality bar is higher or lower and having that conversation, like I always make sure to be like, hey, this is what we're looking for. Here's why this isn't hitting what we're looking for. But Mm -hmm. if you work on X, Y, and Z, I think you'll get there. You know, like Mm -hmm. instead of ghosting someone or instead of just being like, sorry, you're just not looking for at the end. You know, like it's just, you know, take a few minutes, Mm -hmm. seek out that criticism and then get that engine burning in your your tummy that will get you to work harder Mm -hmm. and like try and achieve to that. Which actually is a segue. Which Piercy, are you done? Because I don't want to step on your. Uh, yeah, I'm, no, that was, yeah, you. That was great. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Uh, so my my little uh, nugget will be: um, uh, if you want to make something, make it yourself. Uh, make a prototype. Mm-hmm. Make start writing down your game idea. Get your friends to play it. You know, get people you don't know to play it. Uh, you know, see if a stranger can run your game without you telling them how to play it. Um, and because I've worked with so many people and that comes from art to game design to writing mm-hmm. um, in the gaming sphere and outside. And they're like, Hey, how do I do X? I've never worked in before. How do I do whatever? And it's always like, just do it yourself, man. Just, yeah. uh, just person, uh, make the thing you want that's out there, get people to ingest it, see how they react to it. And if it's good, then people will start wanting to play. It. And then your aura of influence will get larger. And if it's intimidating, Start with a small game, make a one page, make a zine, you know, speaking mm-hmm. of the real thing, which is zine RPG, make something <laughs> that's, di- that's digestible 
and then just see how that goes. You will learn so much from doing it yourself and getting the criticism around the people that you want to enjoy your thing. And that's invaluable. Um, so mm -hmm. again, make it yourself, get it out there instead of someone like, I'm just going to sit in a room and wait for someone to hand me a job, you know, mm -hmm. to, to give me that opportunity, make your own damn opportunities by making your thing, be realistic about your expect your expectations. And as long as you just are adamant, you will create those opportunities for yourself by just mm -hmm. putting yourself out there and getting you to play the stuff and look at your things. Or you won't, and it's not the end of the world. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'll at least have tried, right? So. In the end, yeah. In the end, this is if you had fun doing it and you didn't make a pile of money doing it or what have you, it probably mm -hmm. wasn't a waste of time, you know. Definitely. Oh, sure. You can be successful without monetary value. You can That's be true. successful yeah. by people oh, enjoying sure. your game. Yep, one hundred percent. Good point. Your art, your music, your whatever you put out there, right? Do it for you. Don't do it for any, anything else. Hmm. Yeah, circling back around to the story of how y'all's game came to place, Ward said, hey, I have an idea. Piercy, this is terrible. Stop me. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, never. <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah, uh, amazing. And that's uh, some fantastic ad advice. And now I'm definitely going to leave this recording and, and go and uh, design my own game now. So thank you. Hell yeah. Um, Sweet. Tell us about the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I will. I'll, I'll let you guys up when we're ready to kickstart. Um, but uh, yeah, a, a huge thank you to all three of you guys for, for coming on to the, the show today. It's been a, been a blast chatting with everybody. Um, I do want to actually give you space for for promoting uh, the real thing and, and anything else you might want to. So I'll, I'll shut up for a minute here. But uh, yeah, please feel free to tell my listeners how they can find out about uh, you guys, how they can find about uh, find out about your more about your game, Kickstarter, you know, all, all of that. Oh, thanks so much, man. Yeah, James, you want to jump in first? I think you've got the most uh, presence. <laughs> I am very tall. Uh, so uh, James Masingo on all social media. That's uh, My last name is M-O-S-I-N-G-O. You can find me on everything. Um, I am always looking for artists and art and all that stuff like that and posting, you know, a lot of the things that we work on. So feel free to, you know, look me up there if you want to reach out. Anyone is welcome to. Um and yeah, I, I do my damnedest to make this game look awesome and do lots of cool shit for it. And uh, yeah, the real thing RPG coming out in mid-March on Kickstarter. Uh, back it and um, all your dreams will come true. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. That's right. Uh, Jason? Sure. You have anything um, to promote? Yeah, actually, I'm, you know, outside of um, uh, working with my friends here for this, uh, I also do music and film. Uh, the, the film is just kind of random, but if you look up uh, Synthas, S-Y-N-T-H-A-S, you can find it on YouTube or Bandcamp. And um, if you look up me, uh, you can find me on YouTube and see some of the things I've done. I'm not going to say it's great, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And I've learned and uh, things are getting, opportunities are coming along because of it. So I must not be that bad. <laughs> right. Can they find you anywhere to be a professional DM? Where are you at on that? Uh, yes, I can't remember the name of that. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> My bad. You said that to me. Uh, yep, I don't. I haven't gone back to it in a minute. That's part of the reason why. It's all good. Because of I've been. I'm, I'm also a grad student at IUPUI for um, uh, digital heritage. So that takes up a good portion of my life. Uh, grad right school now. will do that. A good portion idea, of my so. life in the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. 
Cool. Uh, and I'm Jason Ward. Um, I don't really have anything unless you guys are looking to have some software developed. I don't really have much to promote. Um, you can find <laughs> me at Rocky. <laughs> for that, you can find me at rocketbuild.com. But for the game, uh, you'll want to find us at ThingRPG on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at realthingrpg.com. Uh, that goes to our publishing house, which is Accidental Cyclops. Hopefully I can rope these two hooligans into working with me on a different project after Real Thing, um, and we'll, we'll have more there. Um, what else? Uh, the Kickstarter is launching March 15th, and we are doing an event, a live event in Indianapolis on March 13th for a launch party at Level Up Gaming here in Indianapolis. So um, if you find us on Twitter, you'll see information for it there. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, at ThingRPG and then on the web at realthingrpg.com. Uh, and we, we do have a Discord. So if you follow us, uh, we'll, you know, if you want invites, we'll make sure to hand them out as that is where we're going to start doing more of the online content as well. For uh, uh, for those who use a lot of Discord opportunities, we are present there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the big one, Excellent. go to fnm.com and buy merch. Faithnoble.com mm, yes. and buy merch. These guys are listen to their awesome. music. Yep. The, uh, <laughs> Have your mind blown. The yeah. music industry has been kicked in the nuts over and over again by the pandemic. So any yeah. any artist you can support, go do it. Yep. Hundred percent. Well said. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and speaking artists you can support, uh, we have special day one backer material. So anyone that backs the real thing RPG on day one. And if we are successful, we'll get special limited edition things you only get for day one backers. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll, I'll do my damnedest to get this episode out before then so that people can take <laughs> advantage of that. Um, or really cool. at the very least, I'll, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tweet, tweet some information out about that as it's getting ready. So ready to launch. Um, but yeah, and, and certainly listeners, uh, all of the links for everything that these guys have talked about will be in the, uh, the episode description, uh, as well. So follow those links, uh, to, to all of their, their content and, and support these guys. Um, the game was amazing and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing the Kickstarter launch and, and seeing this, uh, project go live for you guys. So, um, thanks. once again, yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. Um, thanks and, and again, thanks. Yeah, thank you for for coming onto the show. It's been been great uh, chatting with you all again. Thank you, Mike. Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. It's what you mean. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, as always, uh, listeners, you can uh, check us out. Uh, well, you're, you're listening to the podcast already, but you can follow us on Twitter at nineteen hits the dragon. Um, you can uh, send me an, an email personally if that's your thing at nineteen hits the dragon at gmail um, but uh, always love seeing, uh, you know, uh, r- reviews and feedback and comments. And uh, like, uh, you know, these guys said earlier, if I'm sucking at this, please uh, be very detailed in telling me how I'm sucking at this so I can I can improve. Um, but uh, yeah, one, one, one thing that you can always do to, uh, to help the show out is, of course, to go out and tell 19 of your closest friends to come and listen. Um, once again, thanks to my guests. Thank you, uh, listeners, for hanging out with us here. And we'll see you all next time when 19 hits the dragon. Mm, bye-bye. Bye-bye.